You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast. I'm your host, Adi Bulubasi, joined by Costa Levoyanis and Lambro. Uh, Peter, of course, is doing scholarly PhD things as always, which is why he's not here. And we're joined by our special guest, Costa Lianos, return appearance. Love having you. How do you feel today? I feel great, Ari. Uh, congratulations on becoming a father. I forgot to Thank tell you, you uh, on the introduction. Costadine and Labro, so good to see you again. Um, really excited for this. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it in just a second. First, some quick housekeeping and one bit of news. So first and foremost, guys, there is a new Olibiakos Discord channel. Check it out. The link is up on Twitter. We've retweeted it, and I think it might even be in the bio. Uh, thank you at King5091391 for starting that up. Jump in. Dozens of Libyakos fans in there already. Join the conversation. Boozing with the boys is happening. Uh, votes are in. We heard your thoughts on social media and in Discord, of course. Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time after our first playoff game for the league. We will be sending out a link on socials and Discord if you're in the Discord channel. Uh, and you can join us with, of course, our good friend George at Life of George C on Twitter and just kind of shoot the shit. It's going to be fun. We're looking forward to it. And lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Preis International. Preis International has been helping Greeks ship to and from the motherland during COVID-19. Shipments to Greece are going out from Baltimore, Maryland every month. Fill any large U-Haul box, 18 by 18 by 24, send it to your friends in Baltimore, and it will be shipped to the Port of Piraeus for only $50. Better yet, fill any large wardrobe box and send it for $100. Give them a call at 410-675-4696 or send an email to sales at piraeusintl.com. Now, before we jump into the real content, uh, actually two bits of news. First, this is unrelated to the Greek Super League, but there is a proposed merger going on between the Belgian Football League and the Eredivisie in Holland. This is very, very interesting. Obviously, this is still very early stage. We don't know if it'll actually happen or not. But if it does, this will have huge ramifications for European football. Is this something that smaller leagues in Europe can do to compete against the larger, much more prolific, much more economically sound leagues in Europe. We'll have to wait and see, but we're definitely going to monitor that situation. Next, it looks like Ba and Versailles will be with the team traveling to play in London against Arsenal. Hassan and Valbuena are out. Hassan, as you guys know, went out with the injury from the PK, and Valbuena won't be there. So. I think with this news, it's perfect time for us to kind of jump in to the content. Gosta, first and foremost, in your opinion, starting from last leg, we, we've jumped in kind of in two episodes now, digesting with the stats and then our first reactions of what happened in that game. In your opinion, what do you think went wrong for us in the first leg against Arsenal? If I'm being honest, I was talking with my friend Harry Simeu today for because um, in England. And if I'm being honest, I liked how Olympiacos approached the game in the beginning during the first half. We all know Olympiacos likes to get, like to keep their lines high up and they like to play possession game. But if you play like that against Arsenal and you're Olympiacos, you're screwed. It's not going to go well. I liked how they kept the lines deep. I liked the way they were set up. I liked how they were pushing Arsenal to the wings because that's what you do. You push them to the wings and you force them to throw crosses, which usually don't go anywhere. They had that moment with Aubameyang, but usually they go nowhere. More on that later. Then there was that mistake between Valbuena and Reabchuk that gave the ball away to Edegard. He had that shot. It went in. 
the saw we all know and love would have obliterated that shot at his best. We all know that uh, Jose Sa has been in bad form in Europe. Uh, we found out that uh, during that night against Arsenal, his um, his grandmother, uh, his grandmother's funeral was taking place in Portugal, so he was in a really bad state. Did that have anything to do with the previous bad performances against Eindhoven? Was there a link between between that and his grandmother? I do not know, but uh, it, it has been a really tough time for uh, for Saab, but also Libyakos keep making mistakes in defense regardless. So they let themselves down and they didn't take advantage of two major gifts from Arsenal, which was with Bruma and Masur, especially with Masur, as he should have done better right there. Larabi is right there, he's unmarked, he's not going to miss that. You pass it over to him. So to wrap this up, I don't want to keep too much time of you guys on the, for you guys on this one. Two major mistakes in the game that led to two goals. One was uh, Reab Chupalbuena and Sa that led to Edegard's goal. The other one was when nobody marked El Neni when he had all the space in the world to, to have that worldy. And we know he can shoot like that. So besides those two mistakes, I have to say I was quite satisfied with what Olympiacos put together considering the players he was missing and the fact that they had only one centre-back and were missing the most creative midfielder throughout the match. I, I listened to that interview that you had with, with Harry last week and I thought it was really interesting and what you were saying about your expectation that Olympiacos would sit quite deep and uh, try and let Arsenal have the ball and then hope for a good counter-attack because if we gave them too much space to hit us in behind, if we, if we try to press them up the field, Arsenal is that kind of team that in three, four passes, they can get the ball upfield and, and punish you. I, I think for, for me, there were three turning points in that game. And the first turning point has, you know, it's, it's presented itself w without us even kicking a ball. So we learn five minutes before kickoff that Bar's not in the starting lineup. That changes everything. And Vila drops back into, into defence. And what I saw, and I think what all of us saw in the first half an hour, it was hard to watch, but I could understand why we were watching what we were watching. We couldn't get the ball out of defence. We couldn't, uh, you know, just and Vila wasn't that player uh, linking the the, the defence to the attack. He wasn't there. He was playing far too deep in the position he was in. And that was a huge problem. And you could see that they just didn't know where each other, where they were on the field. Uh, it was very disjointed and a bit disheartening the first half an hour in particular. And we criticised Saar as well, but Saar has made a great save in the first 10 minutes on an Aubameyang header. Um, but but okay, uh, I, I, I won't get into the goalkeeping situation. The second turning point is the, the block by Bayerin in the second half after we've equalized and we've had that lovely play down the right-hand side with Radzelovic cutting into the box, making the cutback to El Arabi and you just think nine times out of ten that hits the back of the net and we all, I think, jumped off the edge of our seat and thought, how did he miss that? And Bellerin's made an amazing block. And then the third goal, uh, sorry, the, the third turning point is the um, the second goal. That that I think that, that was the, the last one. And then did, did the heads drop? I don't know. But again, it was with the third goal. It was a little bit the heads dropped and Villar wasn't there to, to block Elneny. And it is what it is. And we're at 3-1. Costa, I wanted to touch on something you said earlier. And you brought up a really good point about how we did quite well in forcing Arsenal out wide and limiting, we'll say, the very dangerous opportunities. Uh, the mistakes that led to two of those goals the goals that we suffered, and we had, we've spoken about this before on the show, we've spoken about it, even we've thrown it up on Twitter. The, the XG combined for the three goals scored on us was 0 0.07. We limited Arsenal. Their average shot distance was over 20 meters. Now, as a Libya course, under Martins, we've only lost one other game when, the, when a team we've played against has averaged over 20 meters in terms of their average shot distance. And there's been quite a few of those. Looking at other leagues, and by and large, over 70% of the time, if a team has over 20 meters 
of average shot distance, they are not winning that game. It means that they're not getting quality opportunities on net. So these three goals that went in, now the first one that you brought up, yeah, Jose Sal on a good day saves that. We brought up that when he was when the shot happened, he was looking kind of the other way, probably expecting a pass from Odegaard, and he rips the shot. Second one, I thought his positioning was okay, but the the trajectory on the header was perfect, just out of his reach and into the back of the far side. And then the El Neni shot that was, I mean, that was a world beater. It was an amazing shot. So I think a lot of fans, I think, underestimated the performance that we actually had. The game plan went quite well. And probability-wise, if we rerun this game 100 times, Arsenal doesn't score on those three goals again. They score maybe one of them. Mm. Now, you know, we can cry over spilled milk as much as we want. The fact is they did score. We're three to one going into this next leg. Is it over? I'm going to say this. I am giving Olympiacos very few chances of qualifying. And I'm going to give Olympiacos a 0% chance of qualifying if they do not score in the first half. And I'll tell you why. I had a little look today at Arsenal's uh, season. And Arsenal have only conceded more than two goals thrice this season across all competitions. That's almost 38 matches, 30 match, 38 matches in total if you include the Community Shield. They've only conceded more than, the more than two goals three times in total this season. Once against Manchester City on December 22 in the Carabao Cup, once against Aston Villa on November 8th, both those games at the Emirates, and once at Liverpool on September 28th. Arsenal in the Europa League concede an average of one goal per match. In the Premier League, they concede an average of almost one goal per match. And here's another thing. Arsenal have only conceded three goals in one half on December 22 against Manchester City, where they lost 4-1. So if Olympiacos don't score in the first half, I just cannot see this happening. Olympiacos are going to be the first team in the Europa League to score three goals against Arsenal in one half. I just, I just don't, don't see this happening. Pedro Martins has said it really. I, did you guys read slash watch Pedro Martins? Uh, it was fantastic. I really was, enjoyed it. I really enjoyed what he said. He explained. He's not cavalier at all. He said, we believe in qualifying, but we know the chances are not great. Is this the biggest match of, our, of, of my life as an Olympiacos manager? No. I've been here for three years. I've had to deal with a lot of different problems here at Olympiacos. Yes, they're Arsenal. Yes, they're better, or if you insist. But they're not the big bad wolf. We're going to go in there. We believe in this. We're going to go for a quick goal. But what does a quick goal mean? Not, we're not going to give them hell for five or ten minutes. We're going to look for the first half goal. So they're going to play it by ear. I feel like this is the kind of... I feel like I'm, maybe I'm going a little too far with this, and I'm going to close with this one. We, we, you heard me, Cosadina, with Harry, when I said keep the lines deep. In this match, pick them up a little higher in this match. Because even if Olympiacos concede a goal, no big deal. They're still after three goals. It's extra time. If they're not going to qualify, but it's extra time. You're still in this. You're still after your same goal. Keep them a little higher and wait for the mistake that enforce that mistake that Arsenal are going to make at the back. And they will make a mistake at least once. And it can't go, it can't go to hell. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, you may have answered my question already because um, my question was going to be, do you expect Olibiakos to go into the game like with the lines high up, pressing for the, for the mistake early on? And, to, you know, I personally looking at it myself, we, we've heard Martin say it before, you know, we're going to go out there, we're going to try and, uh, put the pressure on and try and chase an early goal. And everybody knows that if we want to have any hope of getting something out of this game, we need to go for it. But I just, I haven't seen that from, from the team in Europe for, for a very long time. Even when, when I've heard it from Martins in a press conference, I have difficulty seeing us going out in the first half, in the first five, 10 minutes and pressing them high up the field, knowing that 
knowing full well that they can exploit the gaps. Um, maybe that brings us nicely into what we've heard in the press today in Greece, that the formation tomorrow that he tested in training was a 5-4-1 formation with three at the back and the wing backs uh, and Kamara and, uh, and Envila in the midfield sacrificing Bukhalakis. What are your thoughts on that? And what do you think Martins has in mind with that formation tomorrow? Do you think we'll see it? Do you, th- do you think we'll see that formation? I would be very surprised to see that kind of formation, if I'm being honest. I feel like the 4-3-3 is Olympiakos' formation right there. I feel like Olympiakos are going to try and force Arsenal again to the wings. Because the thing about Arsenal is that when they cross the ball, when they have to cross the ball, it, it usually doesn't go anywhere. I remember when I saw Bameyang getting that header and Sam making that save, I was shocked because, hey, Arsenal had a good cross. This is the first time I see Arsenal having a good cross for a very long time. So have them keep them crossing the ball because usually that's how the good counterattacks happen against Arsenal. I want to I make this clear in case, you know, anybody, in case any of our viewers that hasn't understood it, I'm giving Olympiacos very few chances on this one. But if they play it smart, if they're patient about this, if they get that first half goal, that's how it might happen if it does happen. If the goal in the first half does not go in, 0% chance. I just can't see it. Honestly, the, I, I was comparing this game with um, some other people I was talking to almost like the AC Milan game of Martins, you know, it's, it's very similar in that way. Did we need two or three goals? I think it was two goals, but we won three, one in the end tonight. And if I remember correctly, actually, we scored three goals in like 20, 25 minutes. Do you guys remember? It was like kind of a madhouse. It happened at the very end. I, I, I think that game was, was very difficult for Martins and, the I don't want to hamper back on the press conference, but the press conference was just fantastic. He was really hammering home, like, I have done so much. I have faced so many difficult games. This game is not like a this, – this is not be-all, end-all. Like, this is yeah. not the hardest game I'll ever manage as a Olympiacos manager or have managed, which I, I, I think it's a bit strange to say. But some of those derbies in the first year where we lost, we weren't winning the derbies. I think probably hit harder to Pedro Martins than something like this round of 16 versus Arsenal with a budget 20 times your budget. Remember losing one nil at home to Pauk on the Vukovic own goal when we had like 30 chances that hurts more probably to Pedro Martins and me than losing to Arsenal who are worth 30 times more than us, to be honest. But yeah, I guess my, my point is I agree that the, that the, the chances are slim, but there's something in my in my gut saying that uh, Olympiacos can do this. And I know it sounds so crazy. And I know a lot of Arsenal fans, I, a lot of them are like, were surprised. They were like, oh, this Olympiacos team is terrible. Like they were so mediocre from last week. I honestly think they're in for a surprise because a healthy Olympiacos team playing with Mvia in the midfield and Ba at center back is not the same team we saw last week for me. Yeah. Well, um, one of the big mistakes Pedro Martins made in the first uh, in the first game was that he didn't start Fortunis after losing Ba, because that's where all the creativity is. Keep Envila, put Envila at centre back, and just maybe get Fortunis uh, in midfield or switch to four two three one. Fortunis was needed, and I just can't see. Fortun is not starting this game. This is extremely, especially now that Valbuena is not here. There's no excuse. He's going to start this game. I have a little side note that's not strictly speaking related to the upcoming game, but is current news. So it's been reported in the press that Pedro Martins specifically has gone to the board and requested that they renew Mathieu Valbuena's contract next year. Now, I'm of the opinion that even with another year on his his back, Pedro Martins is going to play and use Mathieu Valbuena exactly in the same way that he's used him this season and last season, next season. Frankly, I'm a big Costas Fortunis supporter. Um... I've had I've been a big critic of him as well for his attitude in the past. 
I think that's improved a lot this season. But I want to get your opinion on this on this topic. Is is Martins cutting uh, cutting from uh, Fortunis from underneath his feet like, with this renewal of Albuena's contract? I I'm struggling a little bit. I would I would keep Valbuena next season on a lower contract and with a clear role, but not as a starter. What do you what do you think about all of this? I don't think uh, Pedro Martin sees uh, Mathieu Valbuena as uh, a regular starter for this season or next season or any other season after that. Uh, based on what I know from uh, about Mathieu Valbuena because he's one of the he's one of the most respected, if not, if not the most respected person at the back within the team. He's getting along very well with everyone. He's a good laugh as well. Nobody has anything bad to say about him. He really gets along with everyone and his experience and leadership are of utmost importance. But when it comes to Fortunis, I feel personally, I feel like Fortunis needs to leave in the summer, not because he's bad at Olympia, because he's brilliant, but he needs to leave for himself. I remember hearing Pep Guardiola in the first match against Man City that when Fortunis didn't even play, him singing his praises. Pep Guardiola, perhaps the best manager in the world, is here telling everyone what a great player you are, even though you didn't play. It's time to spread those wings, man. Just, you know, go abroad, see how far you can go, because you're a really good player and you can reach a greater level. Olympiakos cannot get you there. It'd be great if Olympiakos had him like Djordjevic until, you know, the end of his days. I think he would help them a lot. But I'm trying to think that I really like seeing Greek players playing abroad and doing well and talking about them with people from around the world. So just, I feel like it's time to go. If I'm being honest, this summer, it has to happen. I personally, Kostas uh, Fortunis is one of my favorite players at Olympiakos ever. And it would hurt to, to see him go. But I've always had that feeling. Maybe he stayed a bit too long. The, the, the past... Um, Ever since the injury, not even since the injury, but a little bit before then, that magical season under Marco Silva, this the first season under Martins, maybe it was time to get that big money move and go see if he can do it abroad, you know? And it, 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 it all comes down to him as well. Does he really want that as well? From what we understand is he kind of enjoys playing this role in, in Greece and being close to his family and making good money in Greece as well. It has to be said, Olympiakos gave him a fantastic contract for a Greek football player. It's difficult for me to see, but I want to touch upon this point of Matthew Balbuena. Um, I, it's difficult, right? A 37-year-old, do you want to bring back and will he be taking away time from a player like Marius Roussai, for example, or I don't know, Lazar Angelovic, even though I don't love him. So let's say another young winger who comes in. It's like, is it time to just say, like, you've brought us fantastic memories, but maybe it's best you move on? I'm kind of almost there because it's nothing against his playing ability, but just at 37 years old, it's almost like he's blocking the opportunity for young players or players we could bring in who could become magical for Olympiacos, you know? So that's really my opinion on, on that. I don't know what, what you guys think. Or he's going to be like Chori on his uh, penultimate or last season at Olympiacos where he just gave uh, gave the mantle to Fortunis. He was on the fringes and he was wherever, wherever you need me, whenever you need me. I think that's what's going to be Valbuena's. That would be great. Uh, that's what's going to be. For me, the way I see this situation is if Martins has to go to the board to ask them to renew Valbuena, to me it indicates that maybe they weren't considering re-signing him. So I feel as if if he's going to the board to ask them to re-sign them, and let's say they do, let's say they decide we're going to do it, I can't see how they're going to pay him the same money he's getting. It has to be on a reduced contract. And if it has to be on a reduced contract, I, can't, I also can't see him having the same role. At, if he has the same role and the same usage, he's going to get hurt again. It, it's, it's inevitable. We, I mean, if we run him into the ground, which I'm not discounting that we won't, because I didn't think we were going to do it this season, and we did, and he got hurt, of course. The other thing is, at the same time, as much as I really want to see somebody younger jump in and take that mantle, it's sad that a 37-year-old player has so much production. 
I mean, we we've done the we've done the stats, we've done the data analysis for this. Valbuena in the team, we average five more crosses than we normally do. It's it's kind of sad that we don't have somebody else that either gets in those positions or helps others get into those positions by moving around. I know a lot of people get irritated with how free floating he is. You know, he can be playing on the wing, but it doesn't matter. Valbuena's going to go where Valbuena's going to go. And it's annoying in some respects when it comes to shape. But the when Valbuena's on the field, link up is there. He moves into spaces, pass and move with people. When he's not there, we don't see quite as much of it. We don't see as much width occur. And that's why it's important. So I am okay with him staying. Of course, I want the wage hit to be lower because we're going to have to bring in some reinforcements here. And we can't afford to be paying multiple 35-plus-year-old players 2 million euros a pop. We, we, we have to have some, something, some kind of future plan here. I just want to close the loop on, on the Fortuny story because Costa, you say that he might leave in the summer or he should leave. And this has been a big discussion for, for years now. And, and I think you're right. He deserves to go and play in a, in a better league. I think his, his outlook on this is, is well documented in the media in a sense that he said that he's happy at Olympiacos. It's a big club in Europe. We play every every season in European competitions. Um, he would only leave to go and play for a big club in a big league. So he's not the kind of player that will go and play, no disrespect, uh, for West Ham. It was West Ham that was really quite interested in him the season that his renewal was being discussed. And now, as Labro said, he has this cumulative uh, contract that increases every year. But linking to the Valbuena issue, I think that if he gets a whiff that he's not going to be top dog next year starting, I think he's going to have second thoughts. And I do think that we could see him leave this summer. Um, I, I hope not. I do hope that he does become that Georgievich type of player for us. And I'm still waiting to see the best of him. Uh, I hope that he will manage to return to his former form, like before the injury. I remember the goal he scored with the national team where he dribbled past I can't remember who it was against Armenia, Armenia. against Armenia, where he dribbled past six players and then, you know, went round the keeper and scored. And, you know, it was just, it was fantastic to see like how he had, how he responded to that bad season that he had with Hussey, where his fitness was really poor that summer that he worked with the trainer and came back and had that amazing season, the first season with Martins. And he was, Martins built the team around him. That season, he was ever present in that team. Martins's first season, and then last year he had the issues uh, with Martins when they went to Pauk and he came back from injury and he got all moody and he erupted in the dressing room afterwards. And Martins has had him on a dog leash ever since that game, and I think that he's he's been managing him. I hope this is what's happening: is that he's been managing Fortunis to try and shape that mental toughness that's been lacking in him. I always criticized him as a player that, you know, we gave him the captain's armband, but I always thought, why are you giving him the captain's armband? He's not a vocal player on the pitch. He's cold. He looks cold on the pitch. He's the type of player that you don't want him to worry about being a captain. You just want to put Fortunis on the pitch and say, Fortunis, go and do your thing on the pitch. But I see now that he's mentally tougher and I think that's what the manager's been trying to do. And I really hope that he, that next year he will be back. He'll be, he'll be fit. He'll have a preseason behind him and he'll be top dog. If he's not, and I think if he senses he's not, he's gone in the summer. That's, that's, my, that's my closing remark on, on this topic. I don't know if you want to add anything, Costa. I, th I think Portunis would, uh, a, a club like West Ham wouldn't do any, any wrong for uh, Costas Fortunis and a manager like David Moyes, so experienced and so interested always in building uh, some young talent like he's done with uh, Declan Rice. Right now, 
It's just that Fortunis is Fortunis. I don't know what he wants. I don't know what he wants out of life. I don't know what his interests are. Maybe he wants to stay in Greece till the end of time. He has his family here, his friends here, his partners, his team, his good money. Everything is easy for him. I don't know, but I'll tell you what I do know. And what I do know is that I feel really bad that nobody outside of Greece, maybe except Milan, uh, is the, Milan is the only exception. Nobody knows Grigoris Georgatos. Grigoris Georgatos is the greatest Greek left back that has ever existed in the history of this country. His start at Inter Milan was amazing, but he just didn't want to live abroad. He didn't want it. It didn't work out for him. And it sucks that I cannot, that, that nobody outside Greece or Milan don't know Georgatos. And it would suck if nobody knew Fortunis outside of this country. It- it's that funny story in Greece that they they always kind of joked about Jorgatos that, oh, you idiot, you know, you went to Inter Milan and you wanted to come back to Piraeus so that you could sip your frappe on the beach and smoke your red Marlboro cigarette, you know? It's just like, you idiot. You were playing with Ronaldo and Christian Vieri and all these amazing players. And you were, you know, and Bobo Vieri asked Massimo Moratti to bring him back. He was that good that first season. So uh, uh, amazing that you mentioned that. Jorgatos, uh, for me, legend. Best, best left back we've ever had, for sure. Coming back to the game tomorrow, what's the mood in England? Like, What's the mood in the Arsenal camp going into tomorrow's game? Is there any like slither of kind of complacency that you might see going into the game tomorrow? Well, they're quite confident right now. They were more stressed before the first match, but they got what they wanted and then some with three away goals, a comfortable lead right now. But uh, it's it's very interesting to see how Arteta is going to approach this. With, is he comfortable with that lead and therefore start a few players he's had in the fringes to save players for West Ham? Or will he go for the... Uh, will he go for the jugular from the first minute, play all of his best players... And once it gets to a point where it's obvious Olympiacos are not getting the qualification, bring them back to the bench and rest them for West Ham. I am going to make this prediction. Arteta is going to start a strong lineup because the memory of Olympiacos eliminating them is still fresh. There's a, there's, a, there's a trauma still there. He knows Olympiacos have won the last two visits at, em- at the Emirates, scoring five goals in two games in total. So I expect a strong lineup, and if slash when it looks like Olympiacos are not getting anything, are not great qualifying, he's going to bring out the best players and rest them for West Ham. But still, if Olympiacos don't get the don't qualify or slash when they don't qualify, I still expect him to go for the win. I expect him to give Arsenal a hard time at night. It's it's about pride, I think, for Olympiacos at the end of the day. If they if they can't qualify, which they almost definitely cannot. And they're going to play. They're going to. They're going to play for pride. You're 100 right. The way I'm looking at the game is, I can see maybe Olympiacos coming away with a result, but not going beyond this. You know, I could see maybe we get a goal or two. We we win. We win the leg, and we get a couple of extra points. You know, a point four for the coefficient for Greece's coefficient to kind of end the European campaign somewhat strongly. But I just can't see how we put three, three past them. I want it to happen. I'm hoping it'll happen. Uh, and hopefully, if I'm hoping Arteta's mood is the mood that I'm seeing on social media all over every Arsenal page I've seen today, which is every single one is focusing on, oh, hey, who would you guys like to get in the next leg? Uh, I'm kind of hoping for that complacency because that's really the only way I can see we even have a you know, a, a, a small chance of doing anything. So I will see what happens. Uh, I'm hoping for the best, but I also have very low expectations for this game. It's weird. Cause I I'm feeling quite good going into the game. I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's how I saw that we went head to head with them and they scored three fantastic goals and that's what they took away. And Last week was not a good representation of Olympiacos, I think. And that's what keeps holding me, giving me hope. We went head-to-head with these guys and they scored fantastic goals to go past us. But other than those fantastic goals, there was the Aubameyang chance and the Odegaard chance early. But other than that, when we settled in, it felt like, okay, we, can, we were doing fine. And again, another point is 
how many giveaways did we have? The David Luis Masuras chance. Was it Luis again for Bruma who could have played in El Arabi? Jaka. And then again, was it the Bayerine block? Like, Olympiacos had chances, one from Arsenal being Arsenal. I, I, that's a bit mean to say, but that's kind of what they're known for these these days, these simple mistakes. Um, so which it's going to be there. And it's just about, do we take the chances this time? And that's always the big thing in these European games. And will we take the chances? Because I think in the first 30 minutes, there's going to be one of these stupid David Luiz mistakes. Like, will Masuras make the right chance, right pass and play it through? That's the biggest question. And will one of these chances fall to Costas Fortunis to create? That is is the hope. And I really... I don't. I really think we have a good chance of doing something tomorrow night. And call me crazy, but I just think, I just think there's the mistake is there, guys. And with these empty stadiums, away goals are not as hard as they used to be to get when you're in a packed stadium and it's big pressure night. I, I just, I don't know. And I, I, I could see them rotating a little bit as well. I, I, I know uh, Saka is not going to play, so. Maybe Partey gets a rest as well. I just think there could be chances here tomorrow night. Well, as I said, Arsenal are definitely going to make a mistake at the back, at least one. They're definitely going to make at least one mistake at the back. Now, let's look at the numbers. Olympiacos in Europe, two wins in nine matches and seven losses. How many goals? Eight goals in nine matches. Scored, 17 conceded. This is the, uh, that's the problem. Sorry, Ari, go on, please. No, you actually brought up a stat I was going to bring up. But I will say this, the back four that we have now versus the back four that we played with in the group stages is completely different. Now, one thing I kind of wanted to focus on as we dive deeper into, we'll say, match philosophy, I was super disappointed with the productivity from our right side of the field, especially in the first half. Second half was a little bit better, but we still didn't have any generation. Looking at the XG, uh, the left side of the field, uh, and we all know Oleg had a pretty poor game, 0.14 on the left, and our right side was zero. Actually, at the time, our highest XG was going up the middle. That's where we, you know, the press came, and that's where we made for some mistakes and made some opportunities. So in the second half, when Holebas came on, our productivity on the left shot up. So our productivity with open play on the left side of the field went from almost nothing to 0.62. So we basically out of 12 attacks had enough, had enough almost to get a single goal, but on the right side, even with the entrance of Adruzos, we got nothing going forward on the right side. So what I want to see going into this game is more production on that right wing. In order for us to have any hope of conquering a team like Arsenal, we have to be very balanced in our attacks. If nothing's happening on the right side, they're not going to worry about it. And they're not going to make the adjustments. If we're even and everything is going, we have things going on both sides, it's going to keep them moving around. And that's going to create opportunities going up the middle, especially after the overlaps occur. When the overlaps occur from our wing backs and our wingers get a chance to go through the middle, that's when we can finally see some, some holes and some lanes open up. I thought it was pathetic that we really didn't have any successful through balls. Actually, we didn't have any success at all in the opposing third or in the middle third of the field the whole game. Well, Ari, uh, first of all, I want to say how much I enjoy listening to your stats. You always do your homework, and I'm very impressed with uh, this professional kind of uh, work you're putting together on every show. That is, that is incredible. Now, when you're absolutely right about the right side. Arsenal actually prefer to play on their left side. So that means Kenny Lala and whoever plays on the right side, uh, whether it is Fortunis, Bruma, Radzelovic, Asuras, they're going to be very busy in this match. They're going to need to help Lala as well. So very important, yeah, what you just mentioned. Very important for the viewers tonight. Now, I have an interesting stat for Adruzos because I want Adruzos to start on the that right wing back. We have nothing to lose. Better... Might as well go with the guy that's more comfortable in the formation and more offensive. But here's what worries me. We all know that Adruzos isn't the best defensively. 
look, the guy's, he's a midfielder playing out of position. He's definitely more of an attacking mind with, with great ball skill at his feet. Kenny Lala is a much better defensive player. If we play Adruzzos, are you concerned that we get exposed on that right side? Because he does get really far forward. He loves to sit far forward. He loves to make those overlapping runs. But in the Super League, against teams like La Mia, against teams like Asteras, you know, against teams that don't have the best pedigree, we have some dangerous opportunities come down his side from him getting caught out of position or just not really understanding his body positioning when it comes to defending those balls. Are you concerned if Adruzzo starts that we could just expose ourselves even more? Oh, I'm really worried about starting Andruzzo. And you hit the nail right in the head. This game is all about quick, quick return to the defense, uh, quick runs back to the uh, to defense. Because that's what Arsenal really like. They like to lure the opponents towards the back. And then with three or four passes, they just make it in your half and they score. I know Lala needs to start this one because Olympiacos need players that can run back quickly and also operate at the back in in like two seconds or something like that. And they're just definitely a good player. I think we're going to see him at some point during the game, but I feel like this is a, this is a, kind, this is a game for Lala. At the right, at right back on this one. I want to go back to this issue of the formation. And Costa, I know you kind of really swept aside any kind of <laughs> notion that we might start with five at the back tomorrow. But I want to entertain this for a little bit because I think the only way that we might see a player like Andruto start tomorrow is if we play that kind of formation. Mm. And I'm str- I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling to see us creating opportunities playing that classic 4-3-3 that Martins likes to play in Europe. We just haven't seen it this year. Let I'm we've not played well for me throughout this whole European campaign. I think the best game we've played probably attacking wise the PSV game at home. We scored the four goals. That's the game that you look at and say we had a good attacking performance and we were effective and efficient and we scored goals. Other than that, we won one game in the Champions League. Um, Now, I think the idea tomorrow, let's bear something in mind. The night before any game, when Martins tries something in training, 90% or 95% of the time, that's the team that we see the next day. So what's on what's on his mind? He wants to be able to have a player like Andrutos and Oleg have the freedom to bomb up and down the wings and cause problems for Arsenal and try and create this kind of phalanx with the three central defenders and the two wingbacks to engulf Arsenal and try and keep the pressure up without taking the lines too high up. I think what that's what he's trying to do. On the left-hand side in particular, I think a player like Jolebas on the left-hand side of that three provides good cover for Oleg that's going to be bombing up and down. And Oleg is good in transition, attacking transition and defensive transition. I think that's a good pairing on the left-hand side. The right-hand side, I'm not so sure about whether we'll see Socrates as the right centre-back and Barr sweeping up. But I think there is a case to be made for this formation tomorrow. He tried it against City at the Etihad where we didn't have the players that could fully work with this formation. We played with Fortunis as a false nine. We had a lot of players out with injury and COVID. What do you guys think? Like, are you are you entertaining this? Like, like not at all? Or like, what, what do you think of that analysis? Can you name the lineup, please? So, lineup. Five, four, one. so who plays it? Sign so, goal. Sign goal. Socrates, Bar, Holebas. Uh, positions, position-wise as well. Yeah, so sign goal. Um, for me, Socrates as the... This is a question mark. Socrates as the sweeper and Bar on the right. Left centre-back, Holebas. Rabchuk, left wing-back. Adruzos, right wing-back. Mvila and Camara in the midfield, the two midfielders, and then 
El Arabi at the point and Fortunis and Masuras playing as inside forwards. So you've got Oleg taking the left wing and Fortunis having the opportunity to play more inside, having the option to shoot or playing the pass into Oleg for the overlap. And then Masuras coming in as a second striker. That's what that's what I see. That's interesting. I think that's very interesting. I don't think we're going to see it, but you know, I think I feel like you're. Uh, I like what I'm hearing from you. It's you know, sounds interesting. He's got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose tomorrow. Honestly, Payas Vade did the same thing to us. Remember, we thought they were going to play the four triple two that they played yeah. forever, and they came out with that. Was it not the exact same formation or similar? Damn near, damn near the yeah. same thing, right? Like, I want to say, if we're going to go out, let's go out with a bang, right? And 4-3-3 has been great, but this sounds so like this could work, you know? When you, when you talk about it, you're like, oh, this makes sense. I remember I was listening to... What's his name? Nicolo Copulos on Spore FM this morning, like describing it. And I was like, yeah, okay. And yeah. And I was like having my coffee. I was like, yeah, this works. This could work. And and he was trying to explain it to the guys on the radio. And he was explaining it to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Costa jumped in and was like, did you just hear what Nicolo Copulos said on the radio? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this could work. And <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I it, it seems like it could work, but it's like also... Would Martinez dare to go away from that 4 3 3? No. No, and he's go too away conservative. From would he go he's, away from Buhalakis too, who would no. be dropped? He's not going to do it. He's too conservative, even in this situation where we have nothing to lose. We've been in situations like this before where it's like, just, just, you don't have anything to lose. Just throw out there. Just go do what you can. No, he's going to, what he'll probably end up doing, the Portuguese in him, he'll stick with it and he'll just play a higher line. Maybe he'll pinch the wing backs further forward. That's that's all I can see him doing because there's no evidence based on what we've seen from him in the past to indicate that he's going to make such a radical shift. Now, if he does, oh, I'm, I'm going to love every second of it. I just don't think he's going to because we've never seen that type of action from him. He's too conservative. No, I don't want to say too conservative. He's more conservative on the conservative side when it comes to coaching. He's not going to make that much of a, of a change. Will he maybe elevate the line? Yeah, I could see that hundred percent. You know what? Will he, will he maybe toss an extra attacking minded player in one and, and take out a defensive midfielder as the game goes on? Yeah, I could see that too, but I, I don't see, I don't see us ever doing like a three, four, three or something like that. I see us, if anything, switching from the four, three, three to a makeshift four, four, two, even though we only have one striker on the roster going into this game, throwing for Dunis or somebody else as that, you know, like the little man to play off El Arabi's big man, so to speak. But I, I just don't see him doing a, a three, four, three or a three, five, two or whatever it would be three, four, two, one. I would love to see it, but I just can't see how it happens. And in the first game, I want to say that was almost like a 4-4-2 big man, little man with Falbuena, and it was just a mess, I felt, at some points with Bruma defensive positioning. I, I know I bang on this after every episode after that game, but Bruma was shocking for me defensively, just had no idea what he was doing. And I, I, I think on the radio they underlined this. It was tried out. And I think it could be one of those things like, okay, if we're nil-nil at halftime and take Bukhalakis off, uh, Jolebas comes in and there's no other change needed. So it's like you just roll with it. You know what I mean? I don't think it was – I think it was kind of underlined on the radio, like don't expect it to be started like this. But like if things aren't going the the right way or if there wants to be a drastic change, that's where it could go. I, I think that sounds a bit more right to me. The scary thing when we run the 4-4-2, I mean, we ran it out of necessity because we didn't have three defensive midfielders to play there. So that that was part of the problem. So we ran that. It was actually even more like a 4-4-1-1 because our wingers, Masuras and, um, oh my God, and Bruma were really deep. They were sitting very deep. And 
I hate, I, I hate that. I hate seeing that, especially as a team that possesses more and gets more offensive because look what happened. Valbuena would get the ball going forward and he's stranded and he has to hold up play alone. Same thing with Fortunis when he comes on there. And I'm sorry, when you have a player that's more on the average side, like Masuras, you're, you can't expect much help to come from him with that. He, he, he's not going to help Fortunis get out of sticky situations. Fortunis can maybe get out, give him the ball, and then Masuras can do something to get forward. Bruma on a good day can do that. Vrusai can do that. Maybe Lazar on a good day can do that. So it just irritated me because the, the 4 4 the 4-4-2 that we saw, the 4-4-1-1, which is how I saw it, was it, it, it defeats itself if you guys if you can't get forward as a team or collectively. And without Envila in the midfield, we saw the link up play. We tweeted out the, the past link up map. The gap between the, the midfield pair the defensive midfielder pair of Bukalakis and Camara, and then the wingers who were actually sitting a little bit deeper, the, the wingbacks when they were getting forward, it was huge. You literally had two dots, and then everybody, it looked like at least 20, 25 meters out there. What link-up can you expect to happen when you play that way? When your wingback and your winger are on top of each other holding hands, and your forwards are, are being double-marked. We, you give that to the other team when you play like that. that's why I hate it. I understand theoretically why it should work, and we, at a necessity, we had to do it. I just would have preferred that we took the game more to them and at least maybe clog the midfield a little more. Or instead of just switching the wingers, which Martins loves to do every 15 minutes anyway, I would have loved to see maybe Valbuena sit come deeper, you know what I mean? Play the four, two, three, one play deeper, push the wings forward, clog the midfield up. Since we were already letting them have the wings anyway, just go for it and see if you can generate some possession. It, for me, the best way to beat a team that runs off of possession is to possess against them. That, but that's, that's just my opinion. Well, uh, <laughs> we hear you loud and clear, all of us here, but I think, I think we're going to see the 4-3-3 at the end of the day. Uh, from Pedro Martins, you said it really well, Adi. He is a uh, he he is quite conservative. He sticks to his guns. I personally cannot remember Olympiacos playing a five four one ever. Have they ever played five four one? Yeah, but Man City, which one uh, in Greece? Yes, had. Oh, the, 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 the that's right. Or no, it was at the. It was yeah, at I have it right, right here. It was if it wasn't Karaiskakis, that is because the team was depleted. Yeah, there was exactly. nobody there because of interim coronavirus. So when it comes to the team being healthy or healthy-ish, I would be very, very surprised to see this. If it works, it works. But In second like leg. Yeah, second leg, we did run 5-4-1. Yeah. Because Fortunis is a false nine because literally everyone yes. was sick. Yeah. I expect a 4-3-3 on this one yep. myself. Uh, maybe a 4-2-3-1 if they're going to change it. That's what I expected when Bao was out injured. I expected a 4-2-3-1. Come and you, but then you play the four three three, and you have Fortunis out on the wing, and you waste him. Ah. And number ten. Yeah, he's going to be starting out on the left, and he's going to be cutting inside, and he's going to be leaving Oleg exposed the entire time throughout the game. Uh, you hope that Bukhalakis has a big game and is able to, you know, provide cover on the left hand side. I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, I'm. Let let let's see what he does. He's got nothing to lose tomorrow. Um, Let's see. Matt, early kickoff as well. Early, it's early kickoff. kickoff. Game, so, uh, yeah. Central European time, 6.55 p.m., I think it is. Uh, so I think we're just about reaching an hour now. Should we do some round of match predictions? Who wants to oh. go first? <laughs> I don't, I, this is like a game I really don't, because even if, even if the prediction's right, which I, I'm going to predict like, something that's not favorable and I'm right. I'm going to hate it. I, I just hate doing predictions like in hopeless situations like this. I'm going to, I'm, I'll just lead it off. And I'm going to, I said earlier to the Arsenal fans, I'm, I think it's two one and I think we're going to push for, for the result and scores. I didn't say, but I will say El Arabi and I want Marius Versailles to score a goal off the bench. I would love that. Um, my heart is just surprised that he's made it this quickly back but 
Um, I I just I I, I just want to see Versailles score, and I I think Obama Yang will score uh, a goal. Arsenal fans were also making fun of me. I isn't that right? Obama Yang is that how it's said? I don't know. They were making fun of me. Fine, it's fine. I mean, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I call him Obama Yang, but yeah, you know, well. Well, my it's pronunciation remember. is famous on this podcast. It's not so famous outside this podcast. So I, I, well, you have I to remember you're talking you're talking to British people. They they have their way of pronouncing Obama Yang. That's what you, <laughs> that's how you gotta pronounce it. True. So anyway, for, from me guys, two one with scores being Vurusai, El Arabi, and Obama Yang. Are you guys ready to call the men in the white coats? Because I've got a good one. Here we go. Oh no. <laughs> I'm right, turning here's... my computer off. If you say four nothing, I'm turning it off. Oh no, 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 no. I've got I've got a much better storyline for you. So <laughs> okay. Two nil full time. Olibiakos. Or is it hang on, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. They need three goals at least. Yeah, we need three this, goals. <laughs> this, this game, this We're game, this game is going to penalty shootout. So three nil. It can go to penalties, can't it? So hang on. If we well, three one then. Sorry, three one. Three one, yeah. Three, it would have to be three one. Three one. Three one. Can we go? Can we go full time? Three. If we get three. Yeah. Right, we get three, and then they get one in extra time. Yeah. And no, then, they have to score one score in normal three time. goals. You're through. If you score, if Olympiakos scores, score three goals. That's four three aggregate. Olympiakos are through. If Arsenal score. And Olympiacos get three anyways. That's four, four. Yeah. It has to be. It has to. It has to be full time. Three one, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. I almost would rather not have that. Are you kidding me? I have enough stress with my newborn baby, <laughs> and you want me to deal with penalty kicks? Oh my! God. I don't know, man. There's just something. There's something in my gut telling me that like, <laughs> crazy. Like the chances are like point zero 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 one percent. But there's something silly in my stomach just telling me tomorrow is going to be a silly game. I, I don't know what, and I don't know what it is. Honestly, I wish Avram was available for a penalty. If so, <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I told you, go and get the men in the white coats. Like I'm having some crazy I idea. Got a I don't know what you. I put in my teeth. And <laughs> I got a better story for you. Let's say Olympiacos score in the first half. So it's one nil Olympiacos. Second half, there's a bit of an Arsenal give away the ball. Olympiacos get a second. Towards the end of the match, there's a set piece or a corner kick, whatever you want. It goes through. It's a, it's a nice little curling uh, cross. It's a header and it's in. And somebody starts running to celebrate. And it's Socrates. There's your headline. There's your headline. Or oh, an no. even worse one. I got an even worse one. If you <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Olympiacos, 2-0, same way. And towards the end of the match... There's chaos in Olympiacos' defense, own goal. Camera looks for the guy, it's Socrates. Oh, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> I like the first one better than that one. What, where the hell did that <laughs> second one come from? Socrates is going to play a big part in this. Hopefully. <laughs> He's going to play a big part, whether it's to our detriment or not. <laughs> it's exactly, one way yeah. or another. Um, let's, well, let's see. I called that we would play Arsenal in this leg. So here's what I'm calling. 2-1. It's going to be 2-1. And then the same goal that we suffered where uh, uh, Gabriel gets on top of uh, Mvila and gets the header over. No, no, so, don't, don't, don't say it's Socrates, going to be Socrates is going to do it, and the goal is going to get called back for us. And then, then that would be what takes us through, but it gets called back, and 2-1 we lose. Two one, two one, the two one Olympiacos win or lose? Oh, sorry, two one Olympiacos wins the leg, but we don't, we don't progress in the Europa League. That's what I said too. I spoke to a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, who was a referee, um, and he worked for the FA. And this is what he said about uh, the Gabriel goal. I actually found the angles. I've seen of it really hard to judge whether it was a foul or not. If his elbow or arm has gone up and hit the defender's head. It should be a foul, really. I actually can't tell from the TV angles I saw whether that was the case. If they've just collided shoulder to head, then I'd give a goal. Just like you can make contact with someone with your foot when making a fair challenge on the floor. There certainly wasn't any excessive force. If the arm goes up and hit his head, then it should be a free kick, but I don't see any need for a card. 
because here in Greece, a lot of people believe it was a foul. Yeah, but yeah. I, no, I, I, yeah. I think the thing with that goal is what pisses everybody off is the fact that we know for a fact 120% that if that was happening for us, it would be ruled out. I think that's the feeling that, that all Greek fans have, all Olympiagos fans have. But in the end, I think an English friend of mine, he said it best. If you score that goal, if you're, you're, you're supporting that team, you think it's a goal. And if you're the team on the other end of it, you think that's a foul. It's as simple as that. I, don't, I haven't heard from a lot of Greece fans complaining about the way Greece went through to the last 16 of the World Cup in 2014. So, you know. I haven't spoken to a lot of Ivorian fans on the other on the on the other hand. <laughs> that's that's actually a really good point. I I completely forgot about that. I think if I remember, I don't remember the tweet, but I remember sending something and tagging UEFA in it, and I pulled up fouls that we had suffered, where it was either goals called back or goals we suffered, and there were no. Uh, there was nothing called back because that's how I felt when I, when I saw it, I was like, that's the exact type of thing that would get called back for us. And it lets go, but I mean, it is what it is. I'm also, not going to besmirch I, I the referee say, when there were yeah, other issues. I, 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 I thought it was a goal. Um, but it's one of those things where I feel like I've seen Ba get a yellow card on the halfway line from that same exact instance where he goes up and there's a bit of an elbow in the back. Like Ba gets a yellow card. I swear every other game doing the same exact thing you know he just flies above someone and his arm is kind of in that position and it just goes in the back of the head referee sees it yellow card but you're not going to call it in the box i feel with a goal i just that's my opinion of it i i can see it being called um on the field but not in in a goal situation there was some good news though guys we we didn't have any one of those like Cisse blunder fouls where he fouls somebody in the box or just outside of the box to complain about. We actually haven't had to deal with that since the new year. I think it's quite wonderful. And I just thought about it because in the Discord channel, there were people talking about, oh, why, why do we get rid of Cisse? We need him so much. I was like, do you guys have such short memories that you don't remember every game Cisse, his his like lanky, long seven foot legs, just like tripping somebody over in the box or just outside the 18. This was a common occurrence every game. This man was the clumsiest, tallest giant we ever had. And his like just legs went everywhere and fouls happened all over the place. I think we miss his height though. That's one thing I'll say. Uh, ever since we, he's been gone, we've been conceding set pieces like none other. So I think there's something to that. But that's just a random thought. I'm not confident ahead of tomorrow. I, I'm, and I'm quite a cynic, though. So I am afraid of something like 2-0 Arsenal kind of thing. I feel like it's going to be something like that. They really want this. They're undefeated for a reason. They put their eggs, a lot of their eggs, in that basket. They're going to try and play both fronts because they can still go for seventh or sixth or fifth place and make sure they go to Europe. Top four is gone. But they want the Champions League. They really want, and they can do it. It's a long way away to win the Europa League, but I really feel like they really want it. And the Olympiacos guys are so exhausted. I went, I wouldn't stop talking about it the first time you invited me. Labro and Ari, you remember this. But Olympiacos have been playing from July 23, 2019 until September 12, 2020. That was last season. But here's something that's a great testament to Olympiacos. Out of all the top five leagues that cannot be compared to the Greek league at all, they cannot be compared. But of the top five leagues, all of the defending champions are either on the verge of losing the title or are struggling to defend it. And Olympiacos have only lost one game the entire season. This is even for, even Paris Saint Germain are second right now in in Liga, and their and their league was called off. And Olympiacos have, don't have the billions, they don't have world class players, they don't have a, a, a top notch academy to fall on if it gets if it gets hard. They're still going. They are so resourceful. They're still going. That is a huge testament, and that's the kind of tough team Arsenal are going to play. It's not going to be an easy night for Arsenal, regardless. Two 0 yeah, even if they win like that, that's not going to be an easy win. 
Preach, Costa. Preach for all of these fans that we had calling for Martin's head. Preach. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, everyone, that kind of wraps up uh, most of our content for today. I wanted to thank everybody for listening, especially if you've made it this far. It was a fun pre-match. Well, we're hoping for a miracle because that's what it's going to have to be. Nothing short of a miracle. But like we always say, like the Olympiacos team has been saying for years now, the last couple of years, we keep on dreaming. So guys, keep on dreaming. Let's hope for the best tomorrow. Support the guys. Wear your red, wear your white, or whatever has a logo. It could be blue, it could be black, orange, who cares? Support the team tomorrow. Let's hope for the best. And if you haven't already, give us a like, follow on social media. Check us out on YouTube now. We're doing these YouTube shows so you can see our wonderful faces. You can see how we gesticulate as we scream and get emotional about everything. But thank you for listening. We're the Gate 7 International Podcast. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, you say. Stomialo kati magiko.